welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland are in search of their third manager in two and a half seasons, if my mathematic is correct, following the departure of Philip Parkinson. With an announcement expected before the weekend, it means Sunland are likely to head into this week's game with probably one of Danny Cowley, Paul Cooker, perhaps even Lee Johnson in the hot seat. However, all that really matters is that Sunland pick up a much-needed three points against currently the worst side in the league on paper. But to discuss if Wigan Athletic and Saturday's Will Grigg Derby is going to upset the apple cart for us is Adam from Latics Podcast, Progress with Unity. Before we get into how you might upset our Saturday, Adam, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm not bad, thanks. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we're going through a really difficult time. Been in administration since July, but yeah, um, just trying to get on with things, really, like everybody is at the moment. Uh, we're still still a tier three, so uh, we won't be watching football anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, paying, paying our £10 and watching our youngsters perform. That's really what we're doing at the moment. <laughs> I was going to say, you're in the north, of course you're in tier three. You're only, you're only allowed out unless you're, uh, unless you're in London, I, I must believe at the minute. But um, yeah. I think with a lot of guests, we, we'd like to find out about so what's going on with the club and all this kind of stuff. But I think with Wigan, it's obviously it's a travesty what's going on at the moment. And there's there's a, a lot of interest from outside of Wigan and the situation, especially with what's happened with Macclesfield, with Berry. Um, in short, what, what's currently happening with Wigan and, and the well, the ownership inverted commas at the minute? Yeah, so we've been we've been in administration since uh first of July. Um then just, just to give you the evidence, the highlights, um, administrators, Begby traders were appointed, uh, had a look at the finances. Uh, we owed lots of football clubs money, football creditors. So we had, in inverted commas, a fire sale, um, pretty much sold off. Uh, well, 10 of our first team who played the last game against Fulham were, were sold off, and that was a side that was going places. Sold off way under value. Uh, because you, you've no control in administration over the values of, of the players. And um, that just continued to happen over the summer. Um, Paul Cook then left, which was expected. There was no way he was going to stay around, really. It was obviously going to be a very difficult situation for him. And he did a great job with what he, you know, actually being put into administration. My dog's obviously getting very angry about Wigan's administration. I completely understand that. I was going to say the dog's not pleased about it. Barking, barking with passion in the background. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been sort of quite difficult, quite difficult really over the last uh, sort of. Uh, we got to obviously start the season, which we weren't sure about whether we would start the season. You know, we didn't really know about whether that was going to be the case. We started the season. We had John Sheridan for a bit, but it was only ever a stopgap. Um, and we've just been plodding along, really, with our youngsters. In terms of the uh, ownership, um, it took ages to get. Uh, and then we kind of finally finally got to the point where a Spanish con- consortium, if you like, who um, were the preferred bidder. It sounded positive at first. It sounded like they'd had some experience uh, in the Spanish but it's taken so long with the EFL at the moment that um, you now start to think to yourself, well, is this actually ever going to come to fruition? Um, why haven't they passed the tests yet? I mean, I'm, I want the EFL to do a good job with due diligence and everything, but we're, we're currently at a stage where I, I, I think we, we must be getting to a point where the, uh, the exclusivity with the Spanish is ending 
and there are apparently others waiting in the background now that are, are becoming quite vocal who look like better bets, um, the more well-known, at least. I'm not always saying it's better the devil you know, because <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure at Sunderland you, you've been burnt by that before. But but okay. from our perspective, I, I just don't see that there's a, a real positive future with the, with the Spanish bid, because if they're struggling to find the proof of funding, then where's the investment going to be? Are we just going to be back in administration in six months' time? So... Um, really, at the moment, we, I think we were talking, after your contribution to our podcast yesterday, we've got no manager, uh, we've got no physio, um, we have got a very good academy manager, by the way, <laughs> uh, we've got obviously no chairman, um, very limited players, um, nothing left to sell really now, we sold our training ground to Preston, uh, I was our main training base, we have still got one, but our main training base was sold to Preston, state-of-the-art. Uh, we saw their chippy. We had a chippy that was run by, formerly run by Wigan's old chairman, David Sharp. We've sold that as well. So, <laughs> so literally, we've pretty much sold everything. So if, if we don't get out of this pretty soon, we're not going to have anything left to sell to keep us keep us ticking over, really. And I mean, there might be a bailout. There should be a bailout from the Premier League for, for all those clubs. But if not, I, I can't see how we're going to pay wages. You know, we've still got wages to pay. We've got bills to pay. So I'm sorry it can't be a bit more uplifting. <laughs> but we are we are, we are, are where we are really at the moment. And uh, yeah, even with that, I think the dog's probably sick of me going through this with people now. I think he's getting frustrated <laughs> as well. So that's probably why you heard him barking in the background. <laughs> no, that, that would make sense. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that's probably, if it, in a way, it's not a good thing it's happened to, to Wigan, far from it, but it's it's nice that so many people have taken notice of it. It felt like Barry just appeared like two weeks before they, they kind of died and people went, well, what the hell's happened here? People kind of seem to be in the know about Wigan and what's happening. But I think that that Spanish consortium was about the beginning of October, wasn't it? So that'd be dragging on for what, nearly two months? Yeah, yeah exactly. 30th of September was when the administrators accept the, accepted the offer. There, there were loads of ones mooted. You, you'll know yourself when your club's up for sale. Uh, there's always people mooted that, you know, it's... You get some, don't you? You just want the attention. They want the one minute of fame, don't they? You know, they just come out and they start going back to the old days of like Michael Knighton and Man United and going back years for those sort of things, really. So I think I think you always take it with a pinch of salt until they kind of put the deposit down. And yeah. when they put the deposit down, you were starting to think, well, the message is saying you don't care. But as time has gone on, you start to worry some of the messages that they were going to use the supporters' club money, or they asked to use the supporters' club money as part of the purchase price. Well, we raised, with the help of former players, uh, in fact, one of your former players, uh, very generous, Callum McManaman, uh, he put, I think he put five grand into the uh, into the cause. James McLean gave a, gave a good, sizable donation as yeah, well. Yeah, I read that, actually, yeah. Put more fraternity all came together, and obviously... Wigan fans, you know, we we put lords in. We, we were almost at the nine hundred thousand mark. But the, the Spanish were seemingly wanting to use that as part of the purchase of the club, but to give the supporters very little say. Really, I think they were kind of saying four percent stake. Well, I'm not a mathematical genius, but if the club's worth four million and you're putting in nine hundred grand, it's worth more than four <laughs> percent. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm not that great at maths either, but I'm sure that equates to closer to 25. <laughs> if, if my maths serves me right. No, that, that to me is a... No, I, 
I'm wondering whether they needed that to, to move things on quickly. And what's delaying it is they're trying to get alternative monies in. The Football League are not going to want to have monies that are mortgaged against other things. You know, they don't want proof of um, funding in terms of do they actually have the money or are they having to borrow the money? Because if they're having to borrow it, then that, that's another situation where it's dangerous. It's a bit like the Berry situation. It's like the previous Wigan situation and all the other clubs. You're just selling it from one bad owner to another. If they're constantly having to borrow money against things, then you start to worry, don't you? Where's the sort of liquidity in it? And yeah, so I don't mind that the EFL are due diligent on it, but I do think the administrators need to allow others to come into play at some point soon. Because if they don't, we're just going to, even if we survive, there's got nothing. There's not going to be anything left. I think I'm going to be playing centre half at this rate. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say that. That was going to be the next question. Is unfortunately a lot of the time with football, you're speaking about things that aren't actually what's going on on the pitch, especially over the past year. But you know, COVID's a different situation at finances, I guess. But on the pitch, it's, it's not going well. Um, currently, bottom of the league. But weirdly, you've, you've had two wins: Doncaster away and Portsmouth away, which is two sides that have. Two of the better sides, I think, in the league currently. Yeah, Doncaster was at home, but yeah, it was still, at home. still a good win. But yeah, Portsmouth away was their first uh, home defeat in 18 months, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously got beat 3-1 off Portsmouth this season. And I think they're the best side we've we've come up against. But how, how difficult has Wigan's season been then? Because those two results indicate a bit of positivity, but you're bottom of the league, you don't have many players. Like, is it is it difficult to watch? Um, well, what, what happened was, is obviously we had to bring up quite a lot of players in at short notice. Uh, we had a few decent players left uh, from the time from last season. So we, we we had four or five of our team from last, squad from last year, who were decent champion, in my view, championship level players. Um, we then added a few kind of players who'd been coming back from long-term injuries at other clubs, players maybe who hadn't quite made it, you know, with the free transfers. Uh, a couple of decent loan signings um, and two or three young players. And that's how we were starting the season. So it took up two or three games to gel. Um, but then we started really playing some decent stuff. Uh, I thought Portsmouth, we were good value for our win. Um, Doncaster, a bit of a nervy game, but we won that one. And then, unfortunately, the game after that, we lost two players. So we lost Ottobar, who, who was really good at this level. A uh, very good attacking left-sided player. He went down. We lost two centre-backs. Um, we then lost the next game. We lost um, Carl Nesmith, who's probably our best player at the moment. We lost um, We lost uh, Lee Evans to injury. Not the comedian, um, right? No, no. <laughs> I didn't well, think things had got that bad. <laughs> yeah. Then we, then we lost um, Will Keane, who we'd only brought in on a short-term deal. He, yeah. he got injured as well. Um, so what happened was, essentially, we'd gone from two or three of our more experienced under-23 players sort of propping up the squad a little bit and playing bits and pieces of football to within the space of two weeks, pretty much um, eight or nine. Um, and not just under-23s, we're talking two or three players who were actually in the uh, under-18s last year. Now, a very talented under-18 side that got knocked out of the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and beat Tottenham along the way. But even so, having all those in at the same time, really talented players, but 
just just crying out for experience really so it's not surprised me at all really because it's typical of a young team they play good football um you know they they knock it around nicely they they tend to have controlling games and then they make two or three silly mistakes and they don't have that clinical edge to them and in the last two weeks we've lost our top scorer Joe Garner who's looks like he's going over to uh to India um just simply because what can you do you know if you've got if you've got a player who's it's about the security isn't it ultimately you know, players at this level are not multi-million pound players like at the Premier League level so they need to look after themselves you don't blame any player for leaving so I think we've been very, very unlucky that we've lost all those players to injury. But clearly, if ordinarily, if you lose six or seven to injury, you can still put some experienced players in. We were basically, as soon as we lost them, we, it was almost a ticking time bomb, really. As soon as we lost one or two, there were too, there was too much reliance on young players. And, 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 and I just don't think that League One's tough. You know, we've got some really good season pros, you know, you were talking about one yourself on, you know, letting Ledbetter. I mean, he'll be playing against probably two young lads on on Saturday um, in midfield. Now, you know, they're good players, but will he have? Will, will him and Power just have too much nose for them in that midfield? That's that's the that's the issue because it's not looking like Evans is going to be back in in midfield on on um, uh, Saturday. How many injuries do you have in, in total that are likely to miss out on Saturday? Um, in terms of first team, is probably at the moment about five or six players um, in our already stretched squad. Um, we, we had one kid, Nesmith came back last night, uh, but we'll have to see how he is. It's his first 90 minutes in uh, six weeks, I think, so hopefully he'll be okay. Um, but yeah, you, you'll notice there'll be about four or five young lads. You look at the faces and you think, can they really be playing <laughs> professional football? Um, but you know, it is it is what it is, really. So it's I'm not getting any excuses in. I think I think administration is clearly an excuse in, in itself, really. Yeah, and absolutely. It's not. We're not we're not getting battered. We're not getting yeah. battered though either. We're not getting. We're losing games by the odd goal, and you know we're, we're well in games. Um, it's just when they're that tight, it's, it's where you have that bit of know-how, don't you? And you've got those players who can get you over the line. And as I said, I don't think we've got that at the moment, unfortunately. In terms of, you touched before about the, the manager situation, I, I did want to come on to Paul Cook just on the off chance that he is one of the people that is appointed. But um, before I talk about our manager, we don't have a manager we expect to have one in, but what, what's happening with, with Wigan's managers at the moment? Sheridan's gone, he was left. Yeah, Sheridan's gone. Um, at the start of the season, Liam Richardson, who was Paul Cook's assistant, and yeah. very good, very good coach, re- well regarded through, you know, through, through football. Um I don't think he initially wanted to step up, but I think early on in the season, it, there was a lot of recruitment going on as well uh, and obviously integrating new players. I think what will happen this time, in my view, now it's a bit more settled that at the moment, obviously January will, <laughs> will be interesting to see. Hopefully we've got owners by then. So I think I think for the next sort of six weeks or so, he can just concentrate on managing coaching. The head of the academy is kind of coming as a... As an assistant or an advisor, uh, Gregory Ock, son of Bruce Reock, um, he's done a great job with the academy. So him and um, the under 18s manager from last season, a guy called Peter Murphy, 
they're doing the first team jobs for the three of them really so it's obviously it works quite well in that respect because the obviously Gregor and Peter know the young players very well and obviously Liam's got that more level of experience or but not be not as a front man um so I, you know I think he will make mistakes in things like his substitutes and you know, that type of stuff but I think he's a coach that will improve young players uh, day in day out. So they're they're making he's picking the team, he's making the key decisions. He's now doing the interviews, and a lot of people were saying that Sheridan was just kind of there because he had a good, he had some good contacts for his years in the game to maybe bring the odd player in here and there, but also um, to front up to the press really to keep. From what I gather, Richardson was still doing most of the day to day stuff. Um, and, and pretty much taking the lead on picking the team. And, and it pretty much showed that Sheridan wasn't really invested. As soon as a full-time job came up at Swindon, he was off. And you don't blame him again. He was only on a month-to-month contract. I have no problem with him whatsoever. Some some fans didn't really like him saying he, he wasn't invested in the project. But why would you be if you're on a month-to-month contract? You know, Difficult to be invested when it comes down to, uh, I think, your future. quite pragmatic about football now, really. I just realised that ultimately, for most, it's just a job. You know, ultimately, you can't be thinking about... I mean, if people kiss the badge, it's usually fake anyway, isn't it, most of the time? You know, because next week, they'll be kissing someone else's badge. <laughs> I think I think Darren Bent might know exactly what you're talking about, if you're listening, Darren. Um I think Meadow was the one that did it for us. We signed Meadow alone from Middlesbrough. He scored a penalty and kissed, kissed the Wigan badge on his debut. <laughs> In terms of Paul Cook, I did want to come on to it. I, I don't think from, from what I've been told that he's likely to get the job at Sunderland, but it's not completely out the realm of possibility. It still could quite easily happen because he's obviously, I would imagine, have been interviewed, I, I would think. Um, what are the, the pros and cons of Paul Cook and, do you think he'd be a good appointment for Sunderland? I think he'd be excellent. I'd go as far to say, uh, talking to someone who today actually very close to the club, um, and I think I'm of the same view. If you appoint Paul Cook, I think you'll get promoted this season. Simple as that. I just think he just knows what to do at this level. He'll get Will Grigg and Max Power going again. They were superb players at League One if they're really if they're playing to the right the right style. You've got some good players on paper, and I think Paul Cook can blend them together. He's good with good players, uh, and he's also good at improving Leicester players and getting them working for the team. So, you know, we had Nick Powell, who was a, you know, he's a bit of an enigma, but he got the best out of Nick Powell probably since his crew days. Paul Cook's got the best out of Nick Powell. So, you know, players like that that you've got, he could get the best out of, but he'll also get you solid. He'll get the team working for each other. He'll probably maybe bring in a few possible former Wigan players, or even you might raid us again if he if he did go there. So um, I think comes sometimes. I, I guess he does go through spells where he has a re, a sticky spell. Um, he didn't do it so much at League One, so maybe he wouldn't have one of those. But he, he certainly had them in the Championship at times. And at the moment, you can't afford one because if you have one more sticky spell, you can't really get promoted this year, can you? With where? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Someone, so someone has to hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah it's hit the ground running. But he's very experienced at that level. He's obviously took Wigan up with 98 points, record number of clean sheets that season. Um, obviously, Will Grigg scored over 20 odd goals for him that season. We, that was the year as well where we uh, beat Man City. 
you know, when they were the best, arguably the best team in the world at the time. I've got nothing but praise from really. And you'd be clutching at straws to find, in my view, a weakness within really. I mean, you might not be the sexiest name in, in the Sunderland, but when you look at the managers that you have had over the years, well, he's a downside better than the last two that you've had. I guarantee that. And I know that's from a very low base, but, but I, I, I just, I'm amazed he's not back in football. Now, it might be after all the upheaval of what happened and the stress levels that he potentially might be taking a little bit of a sabbatical himself because he's been non-stop managing really for 15 years. So maybe it's his little break from the game and he doesn't necessarily have to take, because Sunderland would be a bigger pressure job than Wigan was. He had his allegiance to Wigan because he played for us in the 80s as well. Um, and he, you know, he comes a nice guy. Scouser, you know, he goes and stands on the stands on the terraces watching Liverpool. He, he just resonates well with most of the Wigan fans. Some, some he lost a bit last season when we hadn't won away in a year, which <laughs> tests the patience of many. But I think generally people behind him. He goes to Sunderland. He's pretty much like you said, hit the ground running. How much time would you give him? You know, that that's the thing. You know, if he loses five in a row. If he goes seven away games without a win, is he going to get that chance that he gets at Wigan, or or, or is it going to be sorry, we're going to have to try someone else? And that, I guess, that's a decision that he has to make because he's not really had a failure on his CV yet. So he might no. be thinking, is it better to pick, wait, wait, and and maybe because there'll be a championship job going somewhere, and if he's going to roll the dice and take a risk, uh, a pressurized job why don't you try it the next level up? Because, you know, you, 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 you're only one step from the Prem there, you know, and you you might think, do I want all that pressure in League League One? Because, uh, and the other thing I would like to say about him as well is that a lot of people, when they were getting on his back, said, oh, it's such an easy job to get out of League One. Well, it's not. Sunderland, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, Southampton, that's five I can think of who didn't get up Switch. straight away. Yeah. Ipswich is another. Yeah. Ipswich, yeah, didn't get up straight away. So if you look at the uh, another one who might be linked with you, because he's way down the betting though, about 33 to 1, Gary Caldwell. But he has another eight, 87 points straight up first season. Wigan's last three goals in this division before this season. We finished top on 100 points, top on 88 points, and top on 98. I don't think we're going to do that this year, are we? No, yeah. Well, if if you are, you're quite far behind, I think, and you're going to need to catch yeah. up. <laughs> so, suppose if we're discussing Paul Cook and, and what you could do with Sunderland, it would be be really wrong of me whether Paul Cook comes or not to not discuss Will Craig. Um, it's it's not work for Will Craig at Sunderland at, at all. But I heard something the other day. Um, obviously, the big thing with Paul Cook is could he get Will Craig firing? And, Will he play Max Power higher up? Is there something that he could do that would that would fix that? Um, I I don't know. I don't know what he did to get Wigan firing pretty much, but um, or Will Greg and, and Wigan firing should I say? But what what do you make of the whole Will Greg situation in general? I didn't get the I didn't get it at the time. I got it from a Wigan perspective because I actually think it was a superb deal, and I think Sunderland until I die, I think highlights kind of. Unfortunately, from Sunderland, didn't come out of that very well. He kind of said, we're not going any higher than 300 grand, which I thought was a disgrace. I mean, that was an embarrassing bid to start with. 
but to actually go as far as, I know it probably didn't end up being, it's not going to end up being anywhere near 4 million, is it? Because of the lack of add-ons, but even so, it's still a decent amount of money for that level, isn't it? I think it's, I think it's three. I think it was 4 million if we got to the Premier League, which was uh, pr- probably not going to happen anytime soon, if uh, I'm honest with you. But... 10 times originally what he wanted to play. And I, I think with Will Griggs, you kind of have to have the components in your team to be able to play to his strength. So he struggled bizarre in his first season at Wigan. Um, he got 27 goals. He only had five before Christmas. And then we signed um, Yannick Wilson, a speedy left winger. And honestly, it was like he'd get the ball, get to the byline. And it was almost like the ball was glued to Will Grigg. Everywhere Wilson put it, Grigg was there, just putting it in. And he, and from that, he then started scoring, you know, different goals as well. He scored a couple of cracking headed goals. And and then the following season in um, the championship, he got injured early on and, and we struggled anyway that season, really, really poor. Back down to League One, uh, relatively slow start again. Um, you know, we, we had other players, other players that were pushing him and getting in ahead of him sometimes. And then hit the ground running around about November, December, scored, was the top scorer in the FA Cup that season as well. So, um, um, yeah, he, he, he just, he's, he's old because he seems to always come into his own at, um, later in the season. So, it, I think you've got to play to his strengths. He's not, I don't know really what style you are playing because obviously I don't follow it closely enough, but it could be he's just completely gone. But, it seems odd that he went from playing relatively well at Wigan to nothing. He's not done anything at Sunderland, has he? Really, he's not even no, no, not even at all. Had two or three game spell, has he? Where he's like flat to deceive. He's and he doesn't. The way he came across, he did quite a lot of podcast interviews for us. Um, he doesn't come across as someone who would be awkward. But I did. I saw a picture of him. Um, I can't remember what game it was, but he was one of the subs. And I just looked at his, his sort of mannerisms. His head was down. He just looked like he'd almost given up, you know, in a sense. He, he just, for whatever reason, he, he, you know, he just doesn't seem like he's happy. Um, and I guess the problem, I don't know if you, have you had a try to offload him yet or... I think I think there's been a couple of clubs interested in him, but I think that the problem you've got is he's probably on a fair wedge. And I think I think the weird thing with Will Grigg is, I mean, like last night, for example, he, he came on and you were like, "Ugh, Will Grigg," and he got in on the end of this header, did everything right, and hit the post. And it's like that's the thing with Will Grigg: if it if he's clean through on goal, the goal will move out of the way for him, or <laughs> the goal will shrink, or he'll hit the post, or something will happen. Because in pre-season, he was scoring, and he looked quite sharp, and people were going, well, well, hang on a minute, maybe that's the case. But in a way, for everything I've said about Will Gregg, if we're talking about former Wigan players at Sunderland, you could say it's similar to Max Power. Max Power's kind of flattered to deceive him. He scored last night and he's a little bit more, Mike, but um, I wanted to ask a little bit about Max Power as well. We we see Max Power as a holding midfielder nine times out of ten and we keep getting told that he was not really a holding midfielder at Wigan. Um, are we playing both players just completely wrong? Max Power is, for me, 
but he's he's clearly better than this because he's, he's some it's a, an, uh, a disservice to a professional footballer. But he is the professional footballer, headless chicken for me, in a sense that he's full of energy, breaks stuff down. Um, he, I think you said yesterday he's in the mould of Steven Gerrard in that type of thing, but clearly nowhere near as good because he thinks he thinks he's Steven Gerrard. I think yes. yeah, <laughs> um, and it, you know he. he 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 does like trying the the sort of passes and you know he, but he, the problem with him is he what I don't know if he's the same at Sunderland but at Wigan he wanted to take everything corners free kicks um, again very Gerard like um, very confident player comes across confident but I don't know whether that's some sort of to disguise maybe he is at times quite shy you know in the background and he he tries to overcompensate with it. Playmaker, I'm not really sure. I don't think you'd have him as a playmaker. Is he a holding midfielder? Probably not either. Uh, he played in a three, I think, quite a lot of Wigan. So he, you can have that sort of energy running around the pitch and breaking things up, winning the ball, um, using it relatively well. Uh, his touch is decent as well, you know, so he's accomplished, but if he's in a two, you need someone alongside him who really will not almost move. Otherwise, you're just going to get done in the centre of the park, really. Um, I don't know. Are you a two or a three midfield, usually? Oh, since he's been here, he's done a few. But it's it's funny, as you were speaking there, I think the best I've ever seen Max Powell play was probably, in my opinion, that the second, the second leg away at Portsmouth in the playoffs, which we played more of a... A flat three at the minute we play like your anchor man was led better yeah. and you'll have um sort of power and if, I don't know someone someone next to him and um, it's been scouring most recently but um he, he often sits almost like he sits in a two and you'll have like maybe scouring more advanced which is also a bit weird because I'm pretty certain scouring was bought as a defensive midfielder but um I think there's a there's a thought process in the Sunderland fan base, I think, and I don't speak for everyone here, but that Max Power and Will Grigg haven't worked at Sunderland because we play them incorrect. Like we play Max Power too deep. We don't play Will Grigg's strengths. Like, because Max Power went more advanced in the last 20 minutes yesterday in Scott. Um, but for me, Max Power is just a typical League One inconsistent player that if he played to the level he's capable of would be probably above this level. And that's what frustrates me most about Max Power. But um, but yeah. That, that, does he know his level himself as well? Because that was very he? interesting, wasn't it? The fact that, I mean, he, he came up the first time um, with Wigan. Uh, we signed him when we were rebuilding in League One and he, he came in and he was a Fans talk to him straight away because when you've got a new team, you want someone who's running around, don't you? You're putting the effort in and uh, he chipped him with a couple of goals as well. Um, when he scores, he tends to score good ones as well, usually. He does. Uh, yeah, I'll give him that. He scores some absolute screamers. When he does score them, he does score good goals. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, but the what what happened, we then went up to the championship. We made a mess of it. We sacked our manager, got... Uh, Warren Joyce in from uh, from Man United uh, youth team, which was just a disaster. And I don't think Powell was even playing then. Um, and then we went back down to League One, and I think for a moment he thought he was better than what he was. He he put transfer request in. Paul Cook throws him out completely. Um, didn't get his move, um, and then fitted in really well that season. He, we we had Lee Evans, who I mentioned before. But he went back from his loan spell. So the second half of the season, 
Max Power came in and he was superb. Along, but again, alongside a very good player in Sam Morty and Nick Powell was just ahead of him. And so he didn't have to be the main playmaker. He didn't have to be the defensive linchpin. He could just do what he wanted, really. Go, run around, put the tackles in and you know do, do, do that sort of stuff, which I think he's good at, really. I mean, if you were going to say anything about Gerrard as a weakness, that sometimes he would leave his position. He wasn't necessarily always... Uh, I'll stick to my position, you know, textbook central midfielder, I guess, like Roy Keane or someone like that. But Gerard had he, he brought all the other stuff with it, didn't he? That, that clearly Max Power doesn't. doesn't yeah. Have. No, the, um, if he had like maybe five percent of the Stephen Gerrard, I'd maybe let him off. But the fact that only he has any percent is, is probably my issue. Uh, but I, I feel uh, like I'm harsh on Max sometimes. I don't hate him that much. No, no, he, and he's a good, I think he's a good, he's a good lad. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's iconic, iconic pictures of him at the end of this. We beat Doncaster on the last day to win the, to win the title. And um, he, um, he's holding a, a flare at the end of the, the game. It's just like, you know, that some fan had thrown a flare and he stood there with the flare and everyone's like gathering around him. Cause well, interesting. Well, Greg scored. We waited to the 78th minute. Nick Powell plays the pass through. Will Griggs on goal. Every, the fans were ready to cheer because they knew Will Griggs putting that in the net. You're the complete opposite of the moment. Yeah. He's on goal and you're thinking, he's no chance to score it. It'll be the last person I'd want to see clean through on goal. And not because I think, I think he could leave something and do absolutely fine. I honestly think that because you can see something somewhere. I don't know what, but you can see something. Um, but I just don't trust that it's ever going to happen for him. Um, no, it would have happened. But is it is it a graveyard now for unfortunately for Sunderland? Is it a graveyard for good strikers? Because um, <laughs> Charlie White's not really really done it as he as you'd expect. Been his best season so far this season. He scored five, and we're in December, so I think that. I mean, he was superb. I remember him coming to Wigan uh, for Bradford. Um, in fact, they've gone since he's left. They have gone completely. I mean, they're they're in danger of going out of the football league at the moment. Bradford, the way they're playing. They've just completely gone, but he was superb for them. They were well up there with Wigan early on in the season. We won the, uh, the title with Blackburn. They were top three, and then they just kind of went completely. You know, probably, probably got something to do with uh, like you're saying with White. Probably got to do with the fact he's came to Sunderland. We do seem to have a knack of destroying strikers. I just wish I knew why. Um, one thing I, I sort of did want to ask just on Wigan as well is. I haven't had a chance to watch Wigan and, I, you know, I'll be honest, I looked through the squad and Carl Naismith aside, I was kind of struggling to, to pick a player that I already knew the ins and outs of. Obviously, Carl Naismith used to be at Rangers when he was young. Um, seen him a few times when he was there, but that's just because of where I live. So when it comes to teams that are coming up on Saturday, you kind of tend to know what style of play it's going to be, but how are you likely to set up on Saturday? Do you think you'll sit back and try and get a point a bit like Burton did last night? Or are because the players are young and fresh, are they just kind of just going at teams and just going with it and seeing what happens? We're not good enough to sit back, I think, for a point, to be honest. I think, um, I, I'm not saying we'll go all gung go. We'll, we'll play a relatively conservative starting lineup, but if there's an opportunity for us to attack, the full-backs will, no, the full-backs are, We've got Tom Pierce, who was came from Leeds. Uh, he's a good player. Um, he'll he'll get forward, and if he gets space, he can put a good cross in. And on the right, we've got um, Tom James, who's on loan from Hibs, I think. So I don't know whether you've come across him in Scotland or not, but 
presumably because we've got him on loan, he probably hasn't been a regular <laughs> recently. No. So um, uh, the these we've got two young central midfield players. I don't think Evans will make it, and it's it's a bit confusing because we've got Mary and Perry <laughs> in midfield <laughs> commentators. Commentators' nightmare, and also we've got Tom Pierce on the left and Tom James on the right. Um, so it can get a bit, it can get a bit confusing with uh, with, with that. Um, so yeah, probably a young midfield. Naismith is will play just behind the striker. I think what he's trying to do is get a bit of experience through the centre if he can. So we've got yeah. um, Curtis Tilt who's come in. I've forgotten who he's on loan from now. I can't. Rotherham, I think, because we, Rotherham, we were yeah, after him, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, we've got that many loan players um, that you forget where they've come from. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly, it's, it's, I mean, I used to, you always know who your players are but, and where they're from, but when there's so many coming at the same time, you, so can't, remember, you can't remember which ones are on loan and which ones um, you've got on short deals. Yeah. You, you probably know that you're on. Um, yeah, you, you, I don't think you will really know any of the uh, any of the players really. Um, uh, let's let's see. No, well, there might be some. I suppose in the I'm trying to think who's injured. You might know, but but no, not really. No, Garner was probably quite well known. I don't know if, if you remember because he scored goals at this level quite a lot. Oh, it? absolutely. Yeah, I think he scored last time he came to the stadium, like actually against uh, for Ipswich. And obviously, he spent a little bit of time at Rangers as well. Yeah, we had, we had that bit of a. For a while, a bit of a Rangers connection. Obviously, Naismith, Windass was down, but it didn't yeah. work out. For, didn't work out at all for Windass uh, at Wigan. But he he, he was. Well, I don't know why. I, I never watched him at Rangers, but I, by all accounts, he did okay at Rangers. He probably thinks he did better than what he is knowing Windass. But uh, and then we had the few who went the other way as well. Um, obviously, Tavernier and. Um, uh, uh, what was his name? Keenan, Keenan went as well. Yeah, Rob Keenan and uh, Martin Wagon. Martin Wagon, yeah. Yeah, so there's a bit of a Wigan Rangers link. So it was when we went up there, I, unfortunately, I was on holiday. Typical that I missed that game. You know, I would have loved to have watched that when Wigan went up to Rangers. And I think that's when Naismith made his debut. He'll be the only player left, I think, from that from that day. <laughs> we were talking about three years ago or whenever it was. So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'll be interested to see what you think of some of the young players. Look out for Joseph up front. Um, he's only played four or five games, but he, he scored 26 goals, 27 goals, I think, uh, at the um, academy level last year. He's not scored yet, but he looks good. Um, he, he, he glides around. And he's got that pace as well. And I think if he gets a goal, he might score a few. But, you know... It, Obviously, he's coming up against experienced centre back, so he's learning on the job, really. But yeah, interesting to see what what you think of him. And then, as I said, the midfield too. You know, the the, the nice academy players. You know, they're quite tidy, but sometimes they'll do things in areas where you don't want them to do it. Or Merry, in particular, he loves a tackle, but sometimes he's all gung ho with it, and he'll go and he'll be out to the game. You know, he's he's just out in the midst. So you, don't be surprised if you have spells where. You see, really, your midfield players running into acres of space because Mary's on his ass somewhere up the pitch. <laughs> well, you know, he does all that. He brings stuff. And I, I'm not getting critical about anybody who's put anyone who puts the wig and shirt on this year for me is a legend because the difficulty of the situation. You know, the players who are coming in on loan, albeit they're doing it for their own reasons to try and kickstart the careers, but 
<clears throat> but even so, you know, it's a difficult situation and they're all they're all putting it in. It's just unfortunately, as you well know, if you don't have if you don't have continuity, then you've got to have real quality. And we don't have either at the moment. Yeah. We don't have real quality to carry us through. And we don't have that continuity that, you know, if you've got a good team spirit, a team that's been together for a while, let, let's use Wickham for an example. You, know, you might not be in any way, shape or form individually of the calibre of Ipswich and Sunderland and Portsmouth, but Wickham sure that you can do it if you've got a team, team con, constant team, a team spirit, a good manager. Fortunately, with Wigan, we haven't got that at the moment. You know, there's no, there's no manager. The players, we've we still not met, named the same team yet. And we're now, if you include cup games, about 18 games into the season, 19 games, not played an unchanged team. I think we've only played, we, I think we've had, somebody said we've had 13 different centre-back pairings, <laughs> which is pretty impressive, really. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm not, not even mad, I'm impressed to quote Anchorman. It's like... <laughs> So uh, I think the other constant in the league games has been the goalkeeper. He's the most experienced player, Jamie Jones, who's played quite a lot of League One football. Played a few in the Championship for Wigan as well. So he's all he's all right. He's he's all right at this level, but he he can throw a blooper in. So uh, sure, Will Grigg will be saying that you know because he'll know him. He'll just say uh, test him early on see if he puts a <laughs> puts a blooper in. But yeah, they're all trying for the shirt, you know and. You know, there's no way you can say there's any prima donnas in the Wigan team who are not putting it in. You know, they, they're just trying the best to make careers for themselves, really. And you know, they've got to be applauded for it, whatever happens this this season. And hopefully, it doesn't. Whatever happens doesn't kill them off because they're good players. And you know, whatever club they're at, that they, they they make good careers for themselves. Because unfortunately, some players can go wrong direction if you just keep losing every week especially when you're used to winning <laughs> yeah no absolutely 100% um, last but not least then I have to always come to the, the standard question and I've been making my prediction first every week and we haven't won since I've done it so I'm going to come to you first um, prediction for Saturday scoreline yeah well I have to I'll have to give you the same prediction that I gave on my podcast because otherwise it looks like I'm just playing to the Sunderland audience so uh, rather bizarrely, I went <coughs> I went for a two-one Wigan win, and I've just based that on the fact that um, two days ago there's a guy who always puts Wigan athletic memories on, and the uh, the memory was the two-one Wigan win uh, that ended Steve Bruce's uh, managerial reign at Sunderland with a, an absolute howler from the keeper in the last. We should have been seven 0 down at half time. Odisando, <laughs> if I believe correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and we uh, so I thought on the basis of that two one, when we were bottom of the league at the time, I thought let's see if nine years on history can repeat itself or we get another two one win. So th- there's no logical rationale behind it, but I'll, I'll take a two one win. <laughs> and I think I'll, I think I've got to go with the same as what I did on on yours. I think I said a draw. I said nil nil. I won one. I'm going to say. I'm going to say nil-nil. Um, I'll take that, though. I'll take it, definitely. If you give me that nil, I'll have, it. I'll have a nil-nil. <laughs> I, think, I think if it was a nil-nil or it was a 1-1 and there was fans allowed in the stadium, I don't think there'd be much left of it afterwards. So it's probably a good thing that if the result isn't a good one on Saturday, there's no fans allowed Will in the stadium. Will you have a manager by then? We hope so, yeah. Well, we think yeah. so. Um, manager, manager bounce, isn't it? I know they can't do much tactically, but sometimes you know what it's like. 
I mean, we we were we were on a great FA Cup run, quarterfinal, Southampton were absolutely terrible. And then three days before the Wigan game, they sat in the manager, appointed Mark Hughes, and all of a sudden put in a stellar performance and beat us 2-0. We were on for an FA Cup semi-final as a league one club. So it can happen, can't it? If you can. Um and maybe, you know, you never know with a new manager and fans on the ground, it might make a difference. I think I was saying before to yourself um, that the fact that there maybe there isn't any fans is maybe not a, a benefit to him because when you get a new manager and you're always kind of outgoing. Yeah. But, but you never know. But, but Adam, thanks so much for coming on and, yeah, and chatting. We're going to know it's not the easiest thing to do at the minute as it is for me with Sunderland, but significantly harder for yourself, I think. Um, but I appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Uh, best of luck for the season after Saturday. <laughs> Same to you, mate. <laughs>